2: Good morning, everyone. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at drobertson at ajc.com, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Roberson, and I hope that you'll consider subscribing to the AJC for all of your sports, local news, culture, politics, and municipal coverage. It is October 21st, and last night, at Atlanta United blew a late lead that resulted in a 1-1 draw with NYCFC at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Marcelino Moreno opened the scoring in the 17th minute with his left foot after a nice steal, dribble, and pass by Luis Rahujo. And then that was equaled in the 90th minute on a free kick by Thorensonson. Thornsons. <laughs> Thornsons. I apologize for butchering his name. But anyway, he had a fantastic free kick in the 90th minute to tie the game 1-1. Manager Gonzalo Pineda for Atlanta United was very aggravated that his team could not get that second goal that would put away the game. Brad Guzan, equally perturbed after the game, uh, calling it the same old, same old for this team, which has now dropped 11 points this season in games in which it led going into the 75th minute. To understand why that is important, we're going to go to the MLS stats so that you can better understand the impact of, of those poor performances in the final 15 minutes of games. So Atlanta United remains in fifth place in the East with 43 points. It is three points behind fourth place Orlando. If you finish in fourth, you get to host a playoff game. If they had those two points from last night, they would only be one point behind Orlando. If they had half of those 11 points, it would be well above Orlando. If they had all those 11 points, they would easily be in second, not having to worry about anything. But instead, let's go through the table really quickly. New England, which has clinched a playoff spot and probably the supporter Shield after its win last night, 69 points. Nashville with 49 Philadelphia with 46, Orlando with 46, Atlanta with 43, Montreal with 42, D.C. with 41, NYCFC with 41, Red Bulls with 40, Columbus with 38, Miami with 35, Chicago 31 eliminated, Toronto 25 eliminated, Cincinnati 20 eliminated. Atlanta United will next play when it hosts Miami on Wednesday. Uh, Miami needs to keep – it got a win last night that played well. It needs another win uh, to keep its playoff hopes alive. I think with one more loss, it's done um, in the East. So it was it was an interesting game. NYCFC kind of dominated the first eight to nine minutes. Uh, Atlanta United really couldn't figure out how to limit Maxi Morales' influence for NYCFC, and then they got that goal. It started with uh, Luis stealing the ball uh, from Medina around midfield. He may, have, he may have pushed him off to get the ball, but there was no uh, foul called. Drove right down the middle of the field, kind of drew the defenders to him, passed to his left to Moreno, who hit a one-time left-footed shot, which is really rare for him because he is very, very right-footed. Uh, but he hit it with just enough pace to put it into the far left corner and give Atlanta United the one nothing lead. And then, really, Atlanta United dominated the game uh, for uh, the next 60, 65, 70 minutes. And then Santiago Sosa suffered an injury on a corner kick and was pulled out. Uh, Amar Sadich was brought in. And at that point, uh, not to blame Sadich, but Pineda said that Atlanta United lost control of the midfield. NYCFC began to really dominate possession, began to dominate chances. And then NYCFC player got the ball around 25 yards from goal, 22, 25 yards from goal, was moving across the penalty box because there was nowhere to shoot because he kept getting blocked off by Atlanta United players, and then kind of stopped, and he got bundled over by an Atlanta United player, I think it was Savage, but I'm not sure, um, to create the free kick scoring opportunity. It was not a smart foul because it was in a very, very good spot for a free kick, and Thorinson took it. Thornton took advantage. Uh Thornton took advantage. There we go. Um, he had a, a shot with pace. Curl that was curling away from Guzan into the upper right corner. And that was all she wrote for Atlanta United. Uh, getting three points in that game. Coffee sip. So now it gets a week off again. Um, to try to regroup and, and make this a learning expir- experience. It reminds one a little bit of the drop points to Nashville and Philadelphia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium earlier this season. Uh, games in which it co- had comfortable leads, but just it gave up a two-goal lead against Nashville. Uh, I think it gave up a two-goal lead against Philadelphia in the final minutes. Um, and you just can't do those things. It's it's bizarre how this team performs in must-win games of the regular season. Going back to 2018 when it had a chance to win the Supporter Shield uh, at Toronto and just laid a total egg. Now it learned from that and bounced back and it won the MLS Cup. But it's just been a problem for this team since its inception in 2017. Um, Finding that next goal in important games is just you know, there's not a commonality to it. It's just not done. And maybe it's difficult for all MLS teams, but I only really pay close attention to Atlanta United, so I'd have to go and look to find out. Um, but it is a really, really odd problem to solve. Now I thought that uh, Moreno played well. I thought Arajujo played well. Um, Eric Torres uh, created one goal-scoring opportunity for George Bello that he failed to take advantage of. I thought Sosa played well. Huzetu. I uh, had some really nice moments. He and he and Sosa are forming a nice partnership in the middle of the field for Atlanta United. I thought Miles Robinson, Alan Frank Wright, and Walk, they all played well. It's just nobody could get that next goal. And here's one thing that, that really kind of aggravates me uh, watching this team. It doesn't, it doesn't give itself a chance to score on corner kicks. When you have a weapon in the air like Miles Robinson, who's shown he could score for the U.S. men's national team on set pieces, why – Atlanta United, consistently fails to get the ball past the first player on first defender on corner kicks is baffling to me. Um, and it happened—I don't know—probably three times. Three of the five corner kicks the team took last night failed to get past that first guy. Um, and it's been a problem. It's been a problem even going back to Tata with the short corners and the and the really long soap opera ish corner kick routines, but it's again a problem all season to just not even give yourself a chance on a set piece and NYCFC showed how important set pieces can be. I don't understand it. Um, And I know the team works on them uh, because we're, we're asked to leave uh, or to walk around the building for a few minutes during um, the practice sessions we attend because they're working on tactical stuff, which includes set pieces. Um, Now I don't know what they work on because we don't watch, but I know they work on them. Before I get to your excellent questions, I'm going to uh, drop in a little special segment that I was fortunate enough to tape yesterday uh, with six-time major winner Nick Faldo, who drove the Golden Spike last night. He is one of my favorite golfers for all time, uh, to be honest with you. Um, He's the one that kind of got me to start to pay attention to golf when he rallied past, past Greg Norman to win the Masters. Um, Sir Nick Faldo, he is uh, has a peerage, I believe it's called a peerage, uh, from his native England, um, was in town. He was playing golf with Ar- with Atlanta United owner Arthur Blank and Yuji Suda, uh, who uh, won an all-in challenge through the PGA Tour Superstore uh, for a round of golf at Historic Eastlake. Um, It was a practice round for uh, Mr. Suda and his guest, and they got a set of custom clubs and stuff. The All-In Challenge uh, was designed to help eliminate food insecurity during the initial months of the pandemic in 2020, and nearly $60 million was raised, and 100% of the proceeds are being donated to various food-related nonprofits. So uh, I'm going to let you all listen to – it's about four minutes of me talking with – with Faldo. Um, I like Faldo. He's a large man. Uh, He's an athletic man. I I think it's funny. I think he's fantastic as an announcer now uh, because he's honest. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. He doesn't fall back on cliches. He's clever. Uh, I liked him as a player because you would hear that he was just how dedicated he was to improving. And, if you don't know how he got into golf, you need to, to look it up. It's basically he saw Jack Nicholas win something and decided, I'm going to play golf, and just kind of went out there and in a very short time was, was really good, uh, which shows you his athleticism and just kind of natural ability. But he improved upon that through hard work. Um, and I, I love to play golf. I, I go to the driving range as often as I can and, and hit balls. It's gotten to the point that the ball guys know if they play put more balls in the bucket, I'm going to go through all of them. So they'll ask me, and I'll tell them no, don't, uh, if I've got to get home to the family. Um, But anyway, here's four minutes of me talking to to Sir Nick Faldo. I hope you find the questions entertaining. He he was passing through the press box, and Atlanta United was kind enough to set this up for me. And then we'll get into your questions about the game.
0: So did you have fun with Mr. Blank
1: at Eastlake today? What a gorgeous day. I mean, we uh, and I was pleased. I birded the two par fives, had two bogeys, and then I birded the ninth. with oh, five nice. Five foot to three feet. Oh, nice. So I'm very happy to have a walk off too. And uh, we were going to go a bit longer, but obviously time constraints to get here and everything. So um, I promised our two winners that we had from the, the little tournament that Uh, They actually come from Augusta, Mm -hmm. so I promise I'll go and play nine holes with them when we get uh, to the Masters next year.
0: Oh, that'll be fun. How good of a golfer is Mr. Blank?
1: He he hasn't played for a couple of years, so the hips are a bit tight, so I was trying to get a bit of turn and a bit more pop in his swing. But uh, if you haven't played, uh, as you you know, it's a a rough game.
0: I tried to play today, and it was not a lot of fun. (laughs) But I go out there every day, so I have a good time. So I understand that you're a lead supporter.
1: Well, you know, where that started, probably because dad was Arsenal, dad was born North London. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 10, I, I, mum and dad took me into London on the train, which is quite a rare appearance, a rare occasion. Mm-hmm. And so that's the King's Cross. And then the train came in and then pouring off it with all these guys in all white. So oh, okay. I said, who were they? And they'd Leeds United. And so, so, I, so that was it. I picked Leeds United. So that's, you know, that's into the end of the 60s obviously Leeds were great in the 70s so it was a good time you know then coming to America and being the golf and getting kind of disappeared from um, football coverage obviously it's so much easier now so my son is Man United Mm -hmm. His, his mates are Tottenham and Chelsea so they all you know needle each other rotten so it's good entertainment
0: the yeah. Leeds has come back in the past
1: couple of years yeah yeah um so you know it's obviously with tv and time change we can watch games uh, in the morning uh which is which is great so i, I, I watch a little bit more than, than i used to
0: how was the experience hitting the golden spike tonight
1: yeah that was uh that was great <laughs> that was good <laughs> you know you, you didn't you know you kind of like thrown in the deep end you? i didn't know i was going to do that what is the golden spike so I'm thinking of Genesis, driving the last <laughs> bike, great song. You know, so I'm thinking ask So, that's, so um, you know, a, a, a nice little fun honor to, mm-hmm. have, to have.
0: Have you been to Mercedes-Benz Stadium no,
1: before?
0: No, uh, no. W- what's your impression of this?
1: Well, you know, what, what America does in their stadiums is off the charts. And, you know, this is amazing. And uh, it's I've only been to a few fabulous stadiums, obviously, in... Um, by Munich, you know, mm-hmm. the BMW stadium. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but um, pretty pretty impressive.
0: <laughs> uh, I asked that Atlanta's trying to be one of the cities to host the World Cup. Yeah. You know, when it comes to 2026. Okay. Um, you've been all over the country. You've seen a lot of different things. how how would a world cup in your opinion just impact sports not just soccer but sports I think
1: think it always does doesn't it look at the attention you get the whole get the whole world you get the whole globe watching like the olympics you know suddenly everybody you know absolutely non-golfers um will probably you know non-golfers will watch the golf in the olympics because it's an olympic Mm -hmm. sport and so it'd be very similar to to this I mean I'm sure everybody billions of people know what uh what uh football or soccer is so uh, yeah they will they'll be tuned into america so i'm sure it will be, be great for you guys
0: now you've got an ice cream over here waiting yeah for you. why not yeah. one of the
1: best things about mercedes-benz <laughs> stadium here it's all the treats
0: uh, of the many fantastic things
1: i know the it's treats really are,
0: there you go uh is there anything that you'd like to promote really quickly
1: no not really no no go to go to pga tour superstore and buy some new clubs there we go thank you sir <laughs> <laughs> okay
2: I hope you enjoyed that quick little uh, guest spot with Cernet Faldo. And now let's get into your questions. Uh, Rob Green sent a screenshot of a tweet. It's not a question. It's, it's a compliment about uh, the excellent coverage uh, that has provided the team from from myself and Mike Conti and, and Jason Longshore. Uh, so thank you, Rob, uh, for that. And I hope that y'all will also, as I constantly say, um, Subscribe and support everybody else who covers Atlanta United because it's a large group of dedicated, talented people. And, uh, you know, they deserve your attention because we all provide different viewpoints and perspectives on the team. Uh, Joe Patrick and Sam and Sydney and and Felipe and and the guys at uh, Siempre United and and just I'm forgetting people and I forget and I I apologize. Uh, John Nelson. Um, but please follow all of them. All right, let's go on to the next question. Nick says, I'm interested, interested to know what could have been done to extend the lead. I felt as if only allowing one goal flattered NYC FC a bit, even though we weren't as dangerous as we could be. However, if United had to blow a lead so that the Braves wouldn't blow theirs, I can live with the result. Uh, that's, I've seen that on, on Twitter a little bit. Coffee sip. That one Atlanta United or one Atlanta team has to sacrifice so another can win, which is an interesting way to look at it. Um, you know, they just needed to put the ball in the net. Uh, George Bello had a good chance that he failed to capitalize on. The team took thirteen shots, uh, put seven on goal. It took eight shots from inside the box, which are typically high percentage shots, should be high percentage shots, um, and just couldn't score. I haven't looked up the expected goals, but let's look that up real quick to see uh, how Atlanta United should have done according to the stats. I imagine it's got to be around two uh, because they had some good opportunities they just didn't take advantage of. So let's go and look at those super fast. Um, And I appreciate all those questions that you sent. Thank you very much today. And at 29 is expected goals. No, I'm sorry. Expected goals with only about 0.8. So maybe the, they've got to create better opportunities. That was the thing that was really aggravating Pineda last night. Is he said, after we score a goal, we tend to try to. I'm paraphrasing here, but we don't keep things simple. Uh, we try to take that extra pass, that extra touch, and that extra dribble. And if things break down or, or the we don't make that easy entry pass into the final third. And it's something that has been a problem for Atlanta United for a while, as as I said earlier. Brad Guzan called it again the same old, same old. To me, and I was exchanging a message with someone last night about this, a lot of it is the team does not have that guy in the middle of the field who can look around at his teammates and say, let's finish this game. They had it with Jeff Lernowitz. They had it with Nagby. They had it with Parkhurst. They don't have it right now because so much, so many players on the team are so young and so inexperienced. And it's hard for Guzan to take on that role because he's in the goal and he's far away from everyone. When Joseph isn't starting, he's not that guy because uh, he's coming off the bench. But somebody's got to step up, whether it's Brooks Lennon, whether it's, it's Franco, someone. Just get in guys' faces and kind of be that Roy Keane guy to to say, let's finish this now. Um, Quit being fancy, quit showing skills, and just put the ball in the net. And so they're just kind of lacking that killer instinct right now, um, or that that person to really kind of drive them forward. But anyway, that's a really good question, Rob. Thank you. Or Nick, I'm sorry. That's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, Ben? How many points does this team drop from a winning position after the 75th minute of the season? Well, 11. Um, That's a lot of points. Uh, I don't know what the MLS average is. I'd have to go and look uh, or try to ask someone to find out. But we're only concerned about Atlanta United, and 11 points is 11 points, and that's tough. Jason says, at what point is playing Joseph hindering the team? It seems like he had nothing to offer when he came on. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if he – I don't agree that he hinders the team. But last night, I don't think he looked right. Um, He wasn't trying to win any headers for a bit. He did try to win one near the end of the game and, and landed on his head because he got upended by an NYCFC player. But, yeah, it's a tough one. And Kubo, you know, bless his heart. He just looks like he's got a refrigerator on his back when he's running, um, but he did create that bellow chance. I, I advocated a couple uh, two games ago. I think it's time to give Eric Lopez a shot at striker. Um, we've kind of seen Jackson Conway and what he brings, and uh, I'm just not quite sure yet. He just needs more playing experience. Eric Lopez, I really don't know what he brings, but I'm willing to, to give him a shot as a, as a start like Kubo got tonight just to see. Because um, he was brought in as a striker, and, and Darren Eels and Carlos Bucanegra were very, very high on him uh, before the season until Hines had turned him into a winger and kind of set back his career by a year. But something something needs to, to happen, and, and Joseph could you know use this next week and really get healthy for the stretch run, and we may see the old Joseph or a similar version of Joseph but last night he just didn't really have anything I mean looking at his stats um, from last night he played um, you know 30 something minutes no shots on goal no chances created 15 touches uh, and that was it all right Greg's Greg hanthorn's question focus keeps seeming on fixing the midfield why is the club not addressing the lack of depth in the back line that is conceding preventable goals. I'm not quite sure what you're asking here, Greg. Um, coffee, soup. Uh It wasn't the center backs that caused that goal last night. That was a midfielder, I'm pretty sure, who uh, caused the foul that led to the free kick. Uh, I thought that Franco uh, and Robinson played well. Walks, uh, kind of lack of pace, was exposed a little bit last night. Uh, but he made up for it with good, physical, smart play. Um, and the team does have depth. It's got George Campbell, who has played well. Uh, Alex Dejon who could come in for spot minutes. Efren Morales is, is developing with the twos. It's probably going to be a couple of years before you see him, I think, uh, start as a center back. But And Bryce Washington also with the twos uh, as a center back. So they do have depth that they're developing. John says, hello, Doug. Thank you for all the great Atlanta United coverage. It is the main reason. I have an overseas AJC digital subscription. Well, that's cool. John, where are you? Tell, uh, Email me and let me know. And I'm guessing you do something with meteorology or air traffic control. Uh, anyway, and how many games has the team blown late leads this year? And assuming they could have hung on each case, how many points would they have and where would they be in the standings? Well we uh, covered that one just a second ago, but just to kind of dive into it a little bit deeper, those 11 points come from it's uh, six games, I believe as I'm looking it back up again uh, while we're talking here. Um, I believe it's six games. Um, diving into it, Lenny on its excellent stat, stats package here. So, when leading at the seventy-fifth minute, Atlanta United now is eight-one and four. So, so uh, five games they've blown leads uh, after the seventy-fifth minute. So that's just not good, and they would easily be in second place uh, had they not had those. Uh, blown leads. So you just can't do that. Uh, Adam says, any word, in hindsight, were the subs for Ibarra and Sadich too defensive? Atlanta was ceding a lot of space and time those last 10 minutes. Well, the one, uh, Sosa had to come out, so that's why Sadich went in. Ibarra was to try to shore up the defense. Um, uh, So I don't know if they were too defensive. Uh, Pineda said he thought they could win one to nothing. It's not what he preferred. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta did cede a lot of space. They were disorganized. Uh, number two, is Paneda noticing how poor Atlanta is on restarts? Corners and throw-ins for Atlanta are a real struggle. We didn't ask him that last night, um, but that's a really good point. Uh, that has been an issue for Atlanta United this year. Lastly, I love the Kings kit, but I honestly think the side has only three wins while in white. Any chance the Web has their actual record by Jersey? Uh I think it might be in the game notes here, yes, so in the primary kit this season, Atlanta United is six five and four, and the secondary kit Atlanta is three four and four, and the third kit Atlanta is two oh and two, and the parlay kit Atlanta is 0 oh, oh and one so that's uh Johannes Schneider's work uh within the stat kit. Thank you for that, Johannes and then Joshua's last quest Josh asked the last question it's it's an interesting one. I don't know if I have an answer for you, Josh. Um, hypothetical query, excluding Arthur Blank, who would be your ideal owner for Atlanta United? Well, God bless him. Uh, if Ted Turner uh, were still, you know, with us, uh, he would be, because he was a fantastic owner for the Braves once he got the hang of it. Um, and that would be it. I don't like corporate owners of sports teams. Uh, I like individual owners. Uh, individual owners who are interested uh, and who have the means so I really don't know names for you but that's kind of who I would advocate alright there are no more questions so we're going to wrap up this podcast as always I want to thank you for listening please share this with your friends please consider subscribing to the AJC you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, or at D. Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now I hope you'll consider Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a dummy. Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Atlanta United one-one draw with NYCFC. It won't play again until it hosts Miami. We're wrapping up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast.
1: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs,
0: race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: And I'm Ned Ravone, Mm -hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
0: It means everything to me. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL.
1: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.